my my I think the highest level advice I can give is to just do it. Like there's really everything that you think might be a problem or might be a challenge with building this kind of te team, it quickly disappears once you get over the hurdle of the compliance stuff and we can help with that. Mm -hmm. But once you once you get over that, there's really not any downsides. I think you will only find that you you one you find amazing talent literally anywhere in the world. Countries you've never heard of will have amazing talent that will is able to help you exactly in the way that you need for almost any kind of function. And that's it. You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by AllWork.Space. Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to the Future of Work podcast by AllWork.Space. I'm Ceci Amador de San Jose, and today I'm looking forward to chatting about the challenges and opportunities with truly building a globally distributed team with Job Vanderfort from Remote. Uh, Job, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, Job Vanderfort started his career as a neuroscientist before leaving academia to become the VP of product at the largest distributed company in the world, GitLab. Uh, he hired talent across 67 countries, so he knows about building a truly distributed team. He is now the CEO and co-founder of Remote, an HR tech startup solving remote global organizations' biggest challenges, employing anyone, anywhere, and most importantly, compliantly. Hi, Job. <laughs> I, I love what you guys do at Remote because <laughs> I feel that, that that is one of the reasons why companies have been so skeptical about embracing remote work fully. And by remote work fully, I mean globally and not just in the regional or national level. I'm sure you're very familiar with all of that. So I want to start by asking you a little bit about your experience when you first started hiring people remotely. How was that and how did you figure out how to stay compliant in 67 countries? Yeah, this, this is a good question. I think uh, at first, you know, we started the company, we figured, well, we would just hire anybody from anywhere and we will just figure things out. And uh, what you start to do is maybe you hire people as contractors, and that, that's what we did in some countries. Um, but then you quickly realize that, one, it's not a scalable solution because it's technically not, not compliant. And two, you, know, you want to be able to offer people some security. You want to be able to offer them benefits. And so we had to just figure it out one by one. So for every time we would hire someone in a new country, we would have to figure out, how do we do this? And and honestly, it was just hard work. It was finding yeah, someone bet. locally, working with some service provider. There was no, there was nothing easy about it. <laughs> I, I can't imagine not, especially because I'm assuming there were a lot of legal challenges. I mean, in the U.S., like there's legal, like to be compliant, there are different criteria in every single state. And if you translate that into globally teams and it just seems baffling, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so how did you manage that? What, um, what kind of um, tools or resources did you, did you leverage? Did you have to hire lawyers in different countries or did you research uh, it all on your own? How did you go about that process? 
No, we we did whatever we could, right? So we 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 looked for local lawyers, we looked for local employment offices, we tried to work with some global providers of of like employer record services. We started our own subsidiaries in a number of countries, um, and really like all of those things were a pain. <laughs> like none of them were really really great. It was always a poor experience, which is exactly led me to to found remote. Amazing. Um, so, Job, tell me if you could think about one of the biggest, probably the biggest legal challenge that you had to overcome while setting up a remote team and remote uh, your company, what would it be? It's it's not so much like a single okay. challenge. It's the fact that there's so many countries and they are all very, very, very different. So what is a normal employment agreement in one country? So, you know, this... This is something that most people that live and have worked in one country know of what it looks like in that country that doesn't translate at all into other countries. And it's not just the language. It's like the structure, yep. what is expected, what is what constitutes a good contract, what is statutory, what does the law require. All of those things are completely different country by country. And so it's not so much that you can easily copy-paste your learnings from one country into the other. You basically have to start from scratch and completely reevaluate how do i hire someone in this country how do i stay compliant like what does it even mean to be compliant because in some countries it doesn't mean very much it means maybe you give them an employment agreement and that employment agreement is not you know particularly strong in other countries it means that you have to have this long list of statutory requirements like benefits that you have to provide to be able to work as an employer and in yet other countries it means that months in advance you have to announce the fact that you're hiring someone and then oh, wow. You know, a few weeks in advance, you have everyone has to submit information to the tax office that, oh, this person is coming to work here. And that's, you know, with GitLab, of course, we were just a startup trying to hire a bunch of people and wanting to build software. It, it was very overwhelming. And today with remote, what we see is that you know, we essentially have to go into a country and we have to spend significant time to start to understand how does it work? Like what is the experience for both an employer as well as for an employee locally to start working? And, and then how can we you know, abstract that and make it easier and make it scalable? But it, yeah, there's not there's not one challenge. The challenge is the, the multitude of challenges and differences <laughs> of, of between countries. Uh, I can imagine. And then I'm assuming there are issues such as double taxation and stuff like that, that companies and employees need to figure out. Um, how have you do you know if there are countries that have kind of like agreements between one another so and i think germany had this but i'm not entirely sure where if you're a german citizen and you're working for an american company or vice versa you can i don't know if you can choose where to pay taxes but there are some agreements in place so that they're not paying taxes in the us and in germany um have you seen a lot of that um in other areas as well or yeah, yeah. How does we, see this, typically yeah work? we see these kind of problems all the time, right? So I think one of the beautiful things about remote work is is that you know you can work from anywhere and many people yeah. choose to work from a different country than where they have citizenship. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the reality is that can be really, really complex. And so you see indeed tax issues, if you see on immigration issues. Uh, there are many tax treaties between countries. So uh, within Europe, of course, you can work from anywhere if you're a European citizen. Um, the United States has tax treaties with almost all European countries and most other countries in the world to, to a degree at least. Um, but that, that said, like that is like a one by one thing that you have to figure out. Like, and, and we remote as a company, we don't even solve this specific point, right? Like we make sure we pay taxes 
properly for okay. you. But if you have a very specific tech situation, you also have to like look for local help and look for an expert <laughs> in you know tax treaties and, and whatever else. And beyond taxes, there are a plethora of other challenges that companies that want to go fully remote have to embrace um, and fix, more like embrace. I'm thinking about digital nomads. So you mentioned immigration issues. And yeah. if a remote company wants to hire a digital nomad, um, can remote help with that? Or is that something that they're going to have to figure on their own as they move from country to country or region to region? No, we can we can help with almost any kind of situation, right? Like oh, that's the, the 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 way we set up the company is that we can help employers mm -hmm. as well as employees stay compliant, and so and and then take care of you know payroll and benefits, etc. And so the first thing we do when we start working with someone is we're going to figure out like how can we employ you for this employer? How can we make sure that this happens? And part of that is verifying: can you work from location you'll be working from? And if that location changes. Uh, we'll have to reevaluate that unless it's for a like, uh -huh. particular shorter time. Um, but one of the things we know, for example, is that there's like 35 countries that have uh, nomad visas or remote working visas. Yeah. So those make our life a lot easier as well as, you know, of everybody there. Um, but but yeah, like this is the exact kind of situation we see very often is that someone is working it, for any period of time, long or short, from an, in a different country of which they have citizenship and yeah we'll, we will have to deal with it. because if we don't deal with it the employer has no tools to figure this out uh it is really really complex and like there's those are not like i can't even tell you like oh yeah if you're a nomad just do this because the, there's not such an answer because it depends on where do you have citizenship do you live anywhere for six plus months in the year do you stay for long periods of time in particular places and all of that you know determines how this kind of situation can resolve itself. And you just mentioned job um, benefits. And I'm not sure if this is the case, but so I know that the benefits that an employer is required by law to offer in Europe differ greatly from those in the United States, in Canada, in Latin America. How have you seen companies that employ like fully globally distributed teams deal with benefits packages so that I mean, they're fair for all of their employees, regardless of where they are. Yeah, I think there's a few sides to this. First, uh, as an employer, you have to be statutory. You have to meet the statutory requirements, right? So, yeah. and those will be different country by country. And uh, so what you do is just offer those independent of what you do across the world. It's not a good idea to offer these every and everywhere because that doesn't make any, any sense. Like some of them are very locally specific or um, they are, you know, whatever is statutory in one country is significantly worse than what is statutory in another country. Um, so what we're starting to see is that most employers go along with like recommendations that we give, like this is what a good employer would offer in this particular country. Okay. Not spend too much time thinking about like what is fair or what is what should you do, right? In the end, what you want to do is you want to make sure that uh, people feel like they're being well rewarded for their work and that they have an employer that supports them. And um, as long as the benefits locally relatively are good, then I think that is the main thing. The, inter the one interesting thing that we see more and more is employers offering additional benefits like stipends for a particular um, services or goods that uh, people might want to buy um, or other things that, that that an employer wants to offer. You know, maybe a program around mental health, easy access to therapists. Those kind of things are easy to do online and they don't really require you to be in a particular country. 
you mentioned, Job, that there are some very specific um, benefits or, or packages that employers have to give to remain compliant and statutory in, um, in some areas. So what's the, I don't want to say craziest, but the most unexpected benefit that you've seen in a country an employer has to provide to employees? Uh, the statutory ones are really boring. So, you know, I think... <laughs> You know, you, you see in a lot of countries things like trainings that are required. You see things okay. like uh, paying parts part for meals, for example. Um, there, but they are quite boring. I think the interesting ones are like the ones that are culturally like normal, but otherwise very weird. So I live in the Netherlands, which is a country full of bicycles, and there is an employer yeah. program to contribute towards a bicycle. So it's essentially your <laughs> employer in running payroll puts aside a little bit of money for you to buy a bicycle and i think that is partially subs uh, subsided by by the by by the government so you get a subsidy and you can then after a while buy a nice bicycle like a few thousand uh, us dollar equivalent bicycle um that's pretty cool i think it's very very dutch that's that's the one i think about very often that makes sense i know several people who have been in the netherlands and have had a almost running experience with several bikes um, <laughs> as they were walking. <laughs> um, back to uh, hiring a remote team, um, culture-wise, um, especially for con uh, companies that have hired people across very different cultures. Um, these are These types of issues must come across fully distributed teams. So how can companies what are some tips um, in your experience um, managing a remote team that companies can implement to ensure that their culture doesn't suffer and that it's a strong workplace culture, regardless of cultural differences from different areas around the world? Yeah, I've, I don't think it is particularly hard to solve it, but you have to be very intentional about it. And I think the first and most important thing is that whatever you're doing, it has to come from leadership. They have to lead by example and make it very clear that, you know, we have a particular culture and we do things to make sure to maintain that. And a good way to do this is to say, well, we have these values and we want people to align with those values. And we, you know, we uh, regularly call back to those uh, values. For example, remote, uh, we have a number of values, the first one being kindness. So if we feel like people are not being kind, that is a reason to say, well, you know, you're not aligning with their culture and we expect some sort of change in that. Inversely, like if someone is exceptionally kind, that, that is a really good sign. And so we celebrate that and we say, you know, uh, you've been kind and therefore you match this. Um, and, and so if you create a company culture and you should do this by example, by regularly reinforcing this and really not just having it written down somewhere and never looked at, just so you, but like really build your company culture around this, then it becomes much easier to align the rest of the organization around it and also to make sure that you hire people that fit that and if people don't fit that that there's a clear you know expectation on like what is the kind of behavior that we expect right um so if you have an, an, a company culture that says well you know we are kind to each other a situation like the one you are in that 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 should that doesn't match that right like there's not being kind to someone that's you know treating someone as an unequal and that that would be completely unacceptable and you would not uh, allow that to 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 happen in the workplace so I think that's where it starts and it, but I, I don't think it's unique to remote cultures I just think in office cultures we were somewhat used to a poor office culture and yeah like in a remote culture you know maybe this is it's a good time to make a big change in this. Yeah, what and I, I'm assuming language also plays a really big part um, of this. Uh, we recently had a conversation with our team where um, 
we use a lot in Latin culture, like girls and gals, but it sounds a little bit um, not nice in, in, in English. So uh, we have to be very intentional not to not to do that, even though it's culturally in Latin America, it's not seen as bad, um, but yeah. it could be with a globally distributed team. But enough about the challenges. I feel like I'm going to scare companies from hiring <laughs> a fully distributed team. What are some of the opportunities and some of the benefits that you've experienced firsthand of hiring a global team? I mean, it's it's such an obvious thing. It's like the, <laughs> the moment you switch from just hiring the people in your neighborhood that are, you know, probably all the same. They live in the same place, so they have the same similar kind of values. They have a similar kind of history, most likely, right? Like they are the average person is the person you're going to hire is the average person around your neighborhood. So if you switch to hiring from anywhere, you get a vastly more diverse team with all the advantages that come with that in terms of, you know, more diverse thinking, more diverse decision making, uh, much more innovation. And in fact, that is really nice to be with people that are different from you, right? Like it's, 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 it's nice to be with people that are different from you. And of course, also the talent pool is like a factor million <laughs> larger. Yeah. I, I agree with you on the diversity and I think it's super important. It's um, a very valuable thing that remote work can provide. I feel like the best solutions often come from people who think differently and approach and um, problems and opportunities from a different perspective. So I think that's completely invaluable for a company. And I'm glad to see that there's been a very big push um, towards diversity, equity and inclusion in the workplace. Yeah. And another benefit that I would like to add to hiring a really distributed remote team is that you can also hire people that would normally be out of the workforce. So mothers or people with disabilities that they have trouble going to and from um, just being able to work remotely. That's, that's a great thing. It's like a million times better. Um, so part of the issues with hiring remote teams is that it's very hard to figure out if you're being compliant or not in different countries. Um, are there any governments or countries that you have seen that are taking really good steps and strides in ensuring that it's easier for companies to hire remote talent? Are they implementing or thinking about uh, passing certain policies or laws that would facilitate it for companies um, all over to hire team remote uh, people remotely? High level, no. Uh, governments was really, okay. really slowly. Um, I think the one, the one exception to this is like the nomad visas. Yes. But, you know, what we see is that people that actually live as digital nomads, that's a tiny minority in the total yes. workforce, right? Even a remote workforce. Um, and so that helps a little bit, but but very, very, very little. Uh, beyond that, basically not. I think even like very basic things that you would think we would have solved by now, like, for example, uh, getting stock options in a startup. That is very normal in the United States. That is not normal anywhere else. And <laughs> actually, if you look at the tax policies of of almost any other country, is that uh, they basically put you in a, they basically discourage you to even accept these because the taxes yeah. that you're going to have to pay over something that you cannot actually turn into money until maybe your company exits. Um, yeah, they they just make it so that it's why would you even take this? And so <laughs> we've seen some changes there, like in France, they've changed some policies, but. In general, no, no, there's not been anything to make it much easier. And it, you know, there's there's a part here which is you is is easy to understand, which is companies, they uh, countries, they create policies that protect workers, that 
in some cases protect employers and they don't necessarily want to change those policies or they don't necessarily have reasons to say, well, we're going to do the same thing. You know, the Netherlands doesn't have reason to say, well, we're going to do the same thing Germany has because circumstances of those countries can be very, very different. So that is, it's understandable. Um, but yeah, it it's really hard right now. Like the reason remote exists at all is because it's so incredibly hard to do this in the first place. And and if, as for now, there's not really a relief to to make that easier. I think, and, and I think the important takeaway here, though, however, despite the challenges and everything, is that it is possible to hire a globally distributed team and remain compliant in all of the countries. So, I, and I think that's a really important takeaway yeah. because I feel that it can be easy to get overwhelmed. Like you mentioned, you have to start from scratch every time you hire someone from a new country. Um, and I think that um, software and platforms like remote, um, I think they're great because they're going to make it easier and encourage more companies to do this. And speaking about remote, um, I want to, again, congratulations on the recent funding round that you Thanks. guys closed. Um, for those of you who didn't uh, catch the news, remote raised $150 million at a $1 billion valuation. So I want to ask, um, what are you guys going to use the funding for? What are some of the opportunities that you see for remote to improve um, on their products or services? Or is there any specifics um, that you can share about remote's future? You know, today we're active in about 50 countries. Um, as far as I know, there's about 195 countries in the world. And we want to be everywhere, right? We want to make it so that independent of where you are, you're able to not just get a job, but like, get a good job and make more money that you could otherwise do locally, for example. And uh, so, yeah, we want to go everywhere. And so we okay. spend a lot of money to get to these 50 <laughs> countries and we have to spend a significant amount of money to to expand further. And that expansion includes like, just the hard work that includes setting up, you know, in all, each one of these countries, but also building the team required to to actually support all these countries. Um, so that's like that's 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 a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the plan. That's um, the plan. I like it. I really, really like it. Um, Jaw, we're almost running out of time here. Before we we head off. What are some tips or actionable steps that you can share with companies hoping to make the switch to a fully globally distributed team? I think my my I think the highest level advice I can give is to just do it. Like there's really everything that you think might be a problem or might be a challenge with building this kind of te team, it quickly disappears once you get over the hurdle of the compliance stuff and we can help with that. Mm -hmm. But once you once you get over that, there's really not any downsides. I think you will only find that you you one you find amazing talent literally anywhere in the world. Countries you've never heard of will have amazing talent that will is able to help you exactly in the way that you need for almost any kind of function. And that's it. That's it. And then <laughs> that that's basically it. You should just do that. Like and, and I think if you're worried about one thing, I would say, you know, hire people that are somewhat close in time zone. So plus four, plus minus four hours, plus minus six hours maybe to start with. And then as you expand your team, you can expand the range of time zones that you support. It's always good to start small so that there's still some overlap between the teams and you don't have to feel like, well, when I'm working, that person far away, sleeping and vice versa. You don't you don't really want to be in that situation, at least not in the beginning. And as your team gets bigger, you can expand the time zone. But in all other ways, like, there's very little downsides. Um, almost zero, I would say. It's really nice to work with a team from people all over the world. Um, you get to learn a lot. I think I think that's amazing. And 
I, I agree completely. Um, our company is fully remote, um, distributed all over the place. Um, and while it, like you said, sometimes it's challenging with the time zones, especially if there's like, I mean, I once had to schedule a meeting with someone that was like 17 hours ahead of me. Yeah. And then someone was like, even like, I think it was like 18, depending on the season. And it, it, it's challenging, but I, I agree that it's totally worth it. So yeah. if anyone out there is thinking about it, like Job said, just go out there and, and do it. <laughs> um, so thank you, Job, again, for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to add, or maybe you want to share with people how they can contact you or reach out or find out more about remote. Yeah. Remote.com. Very easy. Ah, I'll be there. Uh, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So thank you everyone again for tuning into the future of work podcast by allwork.space. Have a good one. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the future of work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?